Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fat Muscle Project podcast. I'm John Gorman, one of three co-hosts today, and we've got an exciting new format. I can't wait to really kind of break this down and talk about everything that we have coming up. First of all, we got Jeff Sue in the house. Jeff, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is this is going to be exciting. We got Lisa Franz all the way from Germany right now, right? Is where you're at. That's correct. Yes, I'm also super excited to be here. So it's 1 p.m. Eastern time for Jeff. It's 12 p.m. Central time for me. It's what time for you in Germany? 7 p.m. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, we're we're that we're up. We're ready. We've got a little caffeine. You're trying to wind down. So, um, <laughs> the, the these will be fun for a little bit until you get back to Columbia. I do want to start off and let everyone know this will be the format from now on. This this is us. This is our team. This is this is the three of us. This is locked and loaded and ready to go. We're going to record multiple podcasts today. We have a lot of content coming up, and Lisa's going to talk about that more because I'm going to hand the reins over to her shortly. Uh, before we get to that, Lisa, and everything that you've got lined out for us today, we want to start doing, and this is Jeff's idea, so Jeff, I'm going to give you credit for this. You want to talk about a win that we had for the week. And I, I like this idea because, you know, we all own our businesses. We all interact with a lot of clients. We're all, we have our hands on all kinds of different things. Right. And we've experienced a lot in this industry. So to talk about some of the wins we had, I, I would love if I were listening to a podcast to hear someone else talk about their wins. Cause I always get something out of it. So Jeff, good idea. I'm going to go ahead and start with you, man. What's a, what's a win that you've had the last uh, couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah. So, um, last Friday I trained, um, a new client in person at my home gym and I am going to start expanding in a, in a short, uh, number of people, uh, in-person training at my house. And I felt like it was a win for me because as a lot of coaches who may be listening to our podcast here, can attest to is that online coaching is very lonely when you're on the phone on zooms and you're, you know, you create this like paradise where you're just working from home, you build your own gym, you get your groceries delivered. You never have to leave the house. <laughs> and it sounds great for a couple of years. And then you're like, Oh crap, you know, like I'm really lonely. So I tra I'm training two people. Now this is an addition to a, a grandfathered client who I've been training in person since 2015 but I'm going to start adding a few people on Friday mornings, maybe train four or five people in the mornings to, to expand my social skills a little bit. So <laughs> that's a win. <laughs> I, I, I love it, man. That's um, you and I have been doing this from our home offices for a long time. Um, yeah. Lisa, you're getting up there as well. You're right. I, I like that. It just gets can only interact with someone through email so much. And you know, when you get excited to do a zoom call with somebody, you know, you're starting to like, you need to start branching out just a little bit. So <laughs> I like it. Lisa, what about you? What's a, what's a win that you've had? You've been all over the place. First of all, with your, with your team, you've been up in Canada. Like I'm excited to hear about your win. Well, my win is actually not just from the last couple of weeks, but really the last few months, but it's just getting more intense every week. Um, and that is me improving my mind muscle connection and actually being able to activate some of those um, muscles such as my lats or even glutes that I ha did not use to be able to. So um, just for people and to give a bit of a context, um, I used to come or I've, co I've come from a CrossFit background and then 
was doing mostly like strength training or strength focused training. And um, when I was last on your podcast on my own, we spoke about my um, lean gaining phase as, as part of this as well. And I, t I said that I switched more to a hypertrophy focused training with a lot higher reps, a lot lighter loads and a lot more isolation work. And, and every week I'm just like, oh, wow, I can feel this so much more. And like, I feel like I'm discovering strength training from a whole entire different perspective. And I love it. I, I absolutely love it. That's, um, that's really cool. And it's, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because most people listening to the podcast, they've come from more of a bodybuilding background and then they branch out and they try some of the other, the other sports and the other training styles, like powerlifting. You know, I think we've all seen people, you know, they've done bodybuilding and in the off season, they're like, man, I need something to do. So they try powerlifting, right. And they maybe even do a meet, um, or they try CrossFit. And I know people like Leslie, for example, who will be on the show at some point, she's kind of done all of them. The hardest thing for me was always to since I started with bodybuilding, I, I never was really great in powerlifting because it was hard for me to unwind the way that I had to try and like max out that mind muscle connection instead of explode and be strong. And Jeff, I don't know if, if you have ventured off into powerlifting at all, if you've tried anything like that, have you? I, I have actually, uh, I did a deadlift competition, just deadlift, no squat, no bench when I was yeah. living in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, I won my my age. I mean the uh, the weight category. I was like one seventy five or something like that, and I pulled five fifty for one. Oh wow! Nice. That was, that was my stint in powerlifting. <laughs> it's a uh, th this is a topic. We'll as we get into training and stuff like that. I don't want to hold this up too long, but no, Lisa, I like that because you've got something to be excited about. It's almost like you're you're not learning something new, but it, it's cool because you're you're feeling a different way to train. So. Uh, we're going to talk about mixing some different training philosophies and things of that nature. Um, real quick, my win for the week was I just got back speaking at the Grit Summit, Grit with two Ts. Um, it's a huge business conference. And I didn't really know until I showed up just what I was in for. So I showed up to speak and there were 300 attendees there. It's like $1,000 a piece to get there. And they had this thing done up. They had my my picture on the wall when I walked in with all the other speakers, I was like, Oh man, here we go. Everyone's wearing suit tie button up shirt. You know, I walk in with a, with a Schmedium polo shirt on um, kind of on purpose because I don't want to look like everyone else. I want to be remembered. And I cleared my dress by the way, it was business casual, but all the speakers wore a little above and beyond. So I, I looked good. I had slacks and I had a nice polo on, but I definitely tried to look as jacked as I could because then people will remember you stand out just a little bit. Anyway, I spoke on using over the top customer service to help grow a business. And that's something I'm super passionate about. And I met a lot of really cool people. You know, they had a social the night before, you know, people are having drinks and just having a good time. And I'm not real good with that kind of stuff. I need to be better. But the next day at lunch, I had a ton of important people come up and introduce themselves to me, including the CEO of hundred million dollar company, the guy that runs the whole event, owns everything, uh, invited me to come out and meet his team, sit in on one of their meetings, because what they do is kind of like fat muscle, just at a much larger scale. So we talked about all kinds of things like shipping and stuff like that. So um, I've got to meet some really good people in the business world that's not related to anything physique enhancement. So I've got some pretty good opportunities coming up 
just to be around other people that are like-minded and love this kind of thing. So um, that was my win for the week. It kind of re-energized me. Um, this, Jeff, you mentioned lonely. We were talking before the podcast. One of our questions deals with how to surround yourself with people that like the things that you like. And yeah. our Q&A today is a good one. Lisa, you have compiled this whole thing. I'm going to go ahead and turn the reins over to you because you are now the boss. So why don't you <laughs> like go ahead? And, yeah, yeah. You are the boss. Uh, go ahead and take the reins and get us going. Awesome. Well, let's get right into the questions because we do have a few to get through. So the first one was, what advice do you have for someone with binge or overeating episodes? I'm dialed in with my nutrition 98% of the time, but on occasion, I just cannot stop after one cookie and find myself finishing the whole pack just to feel incredibly gross about myself and ashamed because I lost control. Certainly something um, I have heard a few times in my coaching career as well. But yeah, I'd love for Jeff to kind of um, start us off with this maybe first. Yeah, sure. Um, so when I'm, you know, listening to this question and this person says that she's dialed in with her nutrition 98% of the time, I would first probably question how much this person is eating and mm -hmm. if the amount that, you know, they are eating is adequate for whatever goals that they may be, you know, trying to achieve right now. So a person could be dialed in 100% and their macros are like 100 protein, zero carbs and 30 grams of fat. And no matter how dialed in you are, you're still going to binge because that's like a starvation diet for most people, right? And then my uh, on the flip side of the coin, I would be thinking about output. So are you doing an excess amount of cardio, um, excess amount of training? What's the stress looking like in terms of allostatic load, all the different things that are in your stress bucket? Because those things can encourage people to binge as well, especially if you're, you're overdoing hours and hours of cardio that can stimulate hunger. Um, so I would probably look into those two things first. Awesome. What about you, John? What's your first thought? You know, that's, that's really, that's really good. Um, and I think a lot of people don't look at that enough, Jeff. Um, it's not the first thing that came to my yeah. mind, but probably one of the biggest triggers, uh, probably one of the most important things to look at is I think a lot of people inherently are dieting all the time or they're, we're always of the nature of, yeah. I'll just eat a little bit less. Like there's not a day that goes by. I'm like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm two, 300 calories before I can just cut it off here. I'll be a little leaner tomorrow. Right. Like it's just in my head. I don't do it, but we're all that way. Um, yeah. so I like, I like that. The other thing I look at is I've, I like flexible dieting. I like people to be able to eat the types of foods that they want, as long as they can stick to the plan. I don't like the people that have really turned it into a shit show. Um, and I take some responsibility for that. The book I wrote, Flexible Fat Loss Solution, I had people eating the most, well, I didn't have them eating. I let them eat whatever they want and track it. And they were eating some of the worst shit you can even imagine and getting peeled for stage. So I was, I was like, you know what? I don't care. Hit your fiber. You know, that was back in 2013, 14, you know, everything was the rage, flexible dieting, get shredded and. I had a lot of people hire me because I'd let them eat what they wanted. And, you know, the, the problem with that though, is you have the other side and that's, we have to eat like perfectly clean and perfectly healthy. And what that does is it causes you to have issues with food. So to me, this is science for every action. There's an equal and opposite reaction. And sometimes when you eat too quote unquote clean or too restrictive, 
there's that opposite reaction and you start to develop some binge episodes. So then when you pair something like that with what Jeff's talking about and you're dieting and you're on low calories, now you're setting yourself up for failure from two different ends of it. Um, to me, I am still of the mindset you need to eat as healthy as possible as you possibly can without causing yourself a lot of mental issues with food. And people have eating disorders like they do. Like most people listening to this show, they've got some kind of an, an issue with food. Um, but yeah. you have to be careful. Eat, eat, eat as healthy as you can. Jeff, I think it was you. And I can't, I, I'm pretty sure you coined this phrase, um, Frankenstein foods. There's a lot of people that they eat. Those yeah. are the types of foods and like super, super unhealthy, like overprocessed foods. I think people should only have in their diet a little bit here and there, but yeah. if it helps them stick to a plan, I'd rather see them do that than have bench episodes. So it's, it's kind of a tight line to walk. Um, at least I know you've got experience with this as well. What do you think? Well, uh, I like both of your points and, um, especially when you mentioned stress, Jeff, I thought, um, this kind of like not being able to stop and quote unquote losing control um, often in my experience also arises from people just trying to cope with that stress, as you were saying, like kind of numbing or maybe you've had a really bad day at work. Maybe you're frustrated about something with your children, et cetera. And then you open up the, that bag of, of chips or cookie or whatever, and you probably open it up in the kitchen and just eat it right then and there. And it it's it's literally like numbing. You just want to feel something. And so my advice there, if you do go to the cookie jar or um, ideally before that, when you come home from work and you already feel the tension, you already feel like, like oh, I'm thinking about what, what I want to eat or what treat I want to give myself, like in inserting some sort of a pause there is incredibly helpful. So whether that might be going for a five minute walk around the block or calling your best friend or simply thinking about, mm. okay, I'm going to have my healthy meal first. And then if I still want the cookie, I'm going to have the cookie, but even there avoiding eating out of the package and maybe like taking a cookie, sitting down on the couch, eating it mindfully, actually enjoying each bite and not just like thinking about the next bite and next bite, and next bite. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's like the big uh the big issue with that sort of quote unquote binge eating because you you you're not even enjoying it. It's not even most yeah. of the time you're literally just inhaling it wanting to feel full or something. So my, my biggest advice there would just be try to insert a pause so that you can actually change mm. or I guess restrain yourself from continuing on. Lisa, that's a really interesting point and you know, there is hard science behind this, you know, having to do with, you know, adrenaline, norepinephrine, cortisol release, ACTH and all that stuff. And the speed at which the body clears those hormones and how they stimulate hunger and how we, you know, chase after like that insulin effect that quells the cortisol effect that precedes it. But I wanted to, you know, you said something really interesting when you said pause, right? And so I don't know if you or John have dogs. Do you, you guys have dogs? No, unfortunately, people who have dogs or who have trained dogs will probably listen to this and, and they might find it interesting. But I have a friend of mine who has a uh, a, a very reactive uh, German shepherd who like barks at everything. And for the longest time, she would tell this dog, you know, stop barking. And as soon as the dog start ba stopped barking, she would give it a treat. And so little did she know that this was encouraging the dog's reactivity 
because it was almost like a reward for barking. Mm. So she met with a, a professional dog trainer who explained this to her and she was telling me this story. And so the key to fixing this was to tell the dog to stop barking and tell it to sit and lay down in the corner somewhere for five, 10 minutes and then give it a treat. So it was, it's, it's very yeah. similar to what you just said. And that short circuits, that dopamine reward system that we inevitably nurture when we immediately go for the food after the stress. So mm-hmm. we're not all that different from, from dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that analogy. That's yeah, awesome. It's, it's interesting Hopefully stuff. some of the listeners will, will remember that next time that they're trying to soothe or that they're wanting to soothe yeah, with. You're not a dog. That's what tells them. <laughs> <about this. laughs> There's um it. there, before we move on to the next question, I do want to point this out. Um, Jeff, I think we should probably give people a heads up if yeah. we're going to have people listening to the show that's never dieted for a competition, but mm-hmm. they're either in prep for their first competition or they're thinking about their first competition. I don't know many people. Matter of fact, I don't know anyone that hasn't had an issue with food after they've dieted for their first show. So this is a warning going in for me. Uh, i curious to get your thoughts on this, Jeff, but know that going in, you're going to have some kind of an issue with food and it may not be with any specific food. It may just be because you're dieting in a deficit for so long and you get so lean and you experience ravenous hunger on a level that normal dieting, you will never ever experience because, you know, hunger is dictated by body fat levels and leptin. And to get that lean, there's no cure for hunger. You almost have to just suffer through it to be able to get truly stage lean. And afterwards you just want to feel full. Um, Jeff, I know when I get new clients all the time, I try and warn them, but it's almost like they just have to go through that post-show rebound issue with food. Um, Is there anything that you do to help people or do you just try and warn them and try and walk them through as best you can? You know, from a coaching, pure coaching perspective, I always extend the coaching timeline at least one month after the show. Yeah. So none of my prep clients are done with me after they step up the stage. They usually have another month of coaching that they've already paid for because they know it's because of the post-show rebound. Yeah. I will allow people to have 24 hours to eat whatever they want. Um, this inevitably ends up in binge eating. People are planning their meals, you know, they're, they're, they're hoarding, you know, cookies and candy and stuff. And in my experience, this is just me personally. I let people eat whatever they want as much as they want for 24 hours, but then they already have their meal plan or macros for Monday and they get back on it. Um, I feel like by giving them this outlet and limiting it to a certain time frame it prevents it from extending into the whole, into the whole week. So I know other coaches may do things differently. That's just what I do. I I do that myself as well for all my shows. Um, But you're right. There is a degree of disordered eating afterwards because you simply have to regain that body fat to feel normal again. Yeah. Yeah. We actually have, um, I think a question for next week's episode in regards to that, where someone was asking about, um, how to maintain a somewhat healthy body image or relationship with food and throughout prep. So I think that it'll be really great to dock on, but just to your point, Jeff, um, I think by having that one day also, um, inevitably you're probably going to feel kind of, um, bloated and gross at the end of those 24 hours. (laughs) And that can sometimes 
almost be like or getting people excited to get back on a on a more regimented way of eating so i i like that approach yeah there's also i think a degree of like attachment to to your body like there are some people who compete and they treat it purely as a sport and they're like really like professional about it and they can walk away and hang it up and be totally fine with who they are but then you have a lot of competitors who got into it because they were unhappy and controlling their bodies was the only way that they could maintain some sort of superficial happiness and those are the people who struggle the most yeah. with how their bodies change off season to, to in season to post show or whatever. That, that'll Very be a whole good episode in and of itself. That's all, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the topics. For sure. Awesome. Well, let's move on to question number two. This one is, I'm trying really hard to build my best physique, but it feels lonely at times because everyone around me says I focus too much on this. How have you dealt with this or helped your clients with it? Um, yeah, John, maybe you go ahead with that one. So I had this conversation with a client. I even told him, hey, we're talking about this on the podcast today. Um, obviously, I'm not going to say his name. Uh, so young guy, very driven, motivated guy, um, has entrepreneurial DNA in him, but he's building a good physique and he's dieted down before, gained a little bit too much body fat. He hired me. We've worked on this and we've been able to keep him at a, you know, he's got a nice set of abs. He can see abs. He's not too lean, but he can see abs. He looks good. Like he's, you know, in his twenties and he's very serious and he wants to do this. And sometimes on the weekends he gets around, you know, whether it's a girl that he's dating or whether it's his friends and they're all telling him things like, Hey, you're, you're, you're taking this too serious. And he asked me, he said, Hey, what, what advice do you have for this? I'm like, well, we've all got advice for you. So this is a perfect question to reach out and help him specifically. But We've all been through this. Our listeners are sitting there shaking their heads right now while they're driving down the road listening to this. Here's what I tell people all the time. It's no different if it's business or it's physique enhancement. Always look at the people that tell you, hey, you're 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 too excessive. You're focusing on this too much. Hey, you don't have enough time for us. Look at the people telling you that. And it can be friends and family. And this is going to hurt some people, but it's just the truth. Are they successful doing the thing is, that you want to do? Have they built a good physique? Are they unhealthy? Are they fat? Are they miserable? Are they average? Are they mediocre? Do they just punch a clock and not have any zest for life? Like think about you never see successful people tell you, hey, you're too excessive. You you do this too much. You're too all in. You don't have enough time for me. Mm. So why would you take advice from people that aren't successful doing the things that you want to do? So the answer to me is you've got to change your circle. And that's so cliche to say these days, right? Like social media is all about like level up and change your circle, but it's true. If you only have people around you that want to drink all the time and they want to go out party and they don't want to hit the gym, then they just want you to just be like them. Guess where they're going to be in 10 years. And guess where you're going to be if you stay hanging out with them. Right? So I just, and that's brutal because you'll lose friends, you'll lose, you'll lose family, but I can look back the last 16 years and I've lost closeness to some family. I've lost some friends over it. And I'm telling you right now, I don't fucking regret it because I am happy. I'm where I am and I am tripled down on the things I'm passionate about. So that's old man Gorman's advice. You know, now that I've gotten a little older, I'm a little cranky. Jeff, I'm going to throw it to you because you're kind of a cranky old man too. Um, I know you've had to deal with yeah. this uh, through life as well. I'm getting there. You know, I might be a little more in between the, the younger crowd and the older, older crowd being in my late thirties. Right. But here's one thing that, you know, everyone goes through when they're younger, right? 
Because when you're younger, nobody really knows what they want. Nobody has really built something stable yet. So we're all kind of just floating around, bumping into each other temporarily, forming quick relationships, hooking up, making friends, kind of just experimenting life, right? That's part of growing up. That's great. But if you find something that you're really passionate about, that it's, it's in your blood, you you go to bed thinking about it, you wake up thinking about it, that says something to you, your, your inner your inner soul, right? That needs to be answered. That call needs to be answered. And the thing is, is like when people, as people grow up, most of us who are in our late thirties and forties could probably agree that life is kind of lonely compared to when you were in your twenties and your teens, because everyone branches off and they start a family, they start a business, or they finally figure out who they are and they pursue that path. And that path may not align with the friends that you used to know. And that's perfectly fine. So my advice is to find some sort of balance and just realize that, you know, if you have a cheat meal every now and then you go on a date, it's not going to kill your progress in the grand scheme of like 10 years. Okay. But also at the same time, don't give up what you love just because other people are directionless and they want you to be directionless too. be lucky that you have direction. That's Mm -hmm. my advice. Very good point. Yeah. I um I have to say I really feel this person um on so many levels too because I mean it doesn't it really doesn't stop to be honest for me um in the sense of um boundaries sometimes that you try to set so uh, for instance with going to bed I mean I get up early so I am pretty much in bed by 9 p.m. and um just of course that limits social interactions at certain times and so on and I've been going to bed at that time for like the last four years. And nonetheless, people still always, they try to push, they try to get you to bend. Um, I don't know if it makes them feel better or like even people that know me very, very well from my family and, and whatnot. And it's hard. Like, I'm not going to lie. It it feels like a battle. It feels harder than it needs to be instead of like, why can't you guys just accept that this is what I am, that I don't like to drink alcohol here and there or whatever it might be. Um, but just like John was saying, what what I try to tell myself um, regularly when I feel that way is in order to live an extraordinary life, you need to do extraordinary things. That's that's like kind of my mantra that I, I keep saying, or um, I guess vice versa. If you say, if you do the things that are considered normal, you're going to be normal or average. And that is overweight. That is not happy in your job. That is not happy in your relationship, whatever. So I find it helpful to just have those kind of sayings at the forefront of my mind so that um, I feel like what I'm doing or even when it feels hard that um it, it it's more worth it and of course the other thing still trying to like virtually surround yourself with like-minded people like you like like you guys or like other coaches or people that get the lifestyle that you want to lead that's kind of my experience or thoughts on that as well i think yeah. the events too that we kind of all have going on we I have the date for the next Fat Muscle Academy. It's going to be in January. You guys will get the email. I haven't announced it to anyone yet, but we just finalized it. You know, going to stuff like that, Jeff's got the PEC that he's spoken at all the time. Like even just having things like this podcast, just keeping those things close to you. But I think the in-person events are super, super helpful to go to once, maybe twice a year. Um, because you can't just automatically like snap your fingers and now you got five people around you that all love physique enhancement like you do, right? It takes time. Like you got to meet people. 
And that's a great way to start getting that process in motion, start going to events. You'd be surprised. And remember back to when I spoke at this business conference, I said, hey, I'm not the best with going to like the social thing the night before and clinking glasses. And hey, I'm John and I'm in this business. What do you do? I'm not good at that. But if I would do more of that, I would meet more of the people I'm trying to surround myself with. So I, right now I need to take my own advice, right? So I, I think pay attention to these events coming up. Um, we'll talk more about the fat muscle Academy and the, and the things like that in the, in the coming weeks. So that's just wanted to awesome. add that in. Well, I'm stoked about the fat muscle Academy in January already. Um, yeah, that'll be cool. yeah for sure. <laughs> Let's um, move on to the third question that we've got. And this is actually a two part question. So, um, someone says they're currently de- dealing with a niggly back injury. First question, would you recommend training through it? And if so, um, would you make adjustments? And the second question is, um, I'm worried if I reduce my training frequency, I will lose gains and strength. And also that my calorie expenditure will reduce. Should I adjust calories? Um, yeah, maybe Jeff, if you want to kick that one off again. Yeah. Um, my take on injuries is that, you know, if you have a small injury, it's likely going to become a larger one or, it'll, you know, affect downstream body parts because everything's connected in the body. Right. I would just take the time off and let yourself heal as quickly as possible. If you want to take carbs down a little bit and bring fats up a little bit, you can do that. But I wouldn't reduce calories either because your body needs that to recover and rebuild. Um, I think too many people worry in the acute, you know, short term in terms of, oh, I'm going to get soft, I'm going to get fat because I can't train. But that's, that's not true. Like, you're not going to melt away because you, you miss a couple of weeks of training. In fact, when you get back to it, you'll probably get bigger and stronger a lot faster. So my take is to to take it off completely. Awesome. Thank you. What about you, John? I, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I regularly program scheduled deloads for clients on purpose. I have them trained to the point where they have an overreaching week, for example, and then we deload and we take time off. So then, like Jeff said, you get stronger and you get bigger because those deloads are crucial. You know, it does all kinds of things in the body. So when someone gets injured, I I say, hey, think about it. Think about it as a deload of whatever body part is. Obviously, if you've got an an issue with your back, that's going to be a tough one because almost everything you do is going to somewhat affect your back. You know, if it were you know, your knee, you can still train upper body like a beast, right? But for your back, that's a tough one. So I would, I would start with that time off. And I, I am a really big proponent as a coach because I'm online. I'm not with that person in person. So they always ask me, Hey, what exercises can I do to train around? I'm going to say, Hey, listen, like I'm not a physical therapist. Like I'm not, this is not my specialty through a computer because I'm not in person with you. And even if I was, I'm, st- I'm a freaking bodybuilding coach, right? Like I'm a, this is not something I feel comfortable telling you through email. Hey, do these exercises, but not this, just take the time off. And that's my stance for me personally. Um, the thing that Jeff said that I, I want our listeners to really understand, and we, I'm struggling through taking a little bit of time off the next few days too, because I'm just feel like trash. I know I need about three or four days off and I'm struggling. The thing is though. All the muscle that we've all built, right? Every time we train, like 
you could take off a month. It wouldn't matter. Once you build that nuclei, it's infused in the muscle. It never goes away. So this is the interesting thing. So I could take six months off all this muscle that I built. I'm going to look different. The muscle is going to go down. It's going to look a little flatter. It's going to look like it atrophies. But as soon as you start training, that nuclei flares back up. And that's where you see the muscle memory. It almost looks like when someone takes anabolic steroids for the first time, you blow back up. It's an it's an insane response because that nuclei is already there. So you're never going to, quote unquote, lose muscle. It's just going to look different from uh, not using it. But you're not even going to see that in a week, first of all. You're never going to see a difference in a week, maybe not even in two weeks. But then as time goes on, then you do start to look a little bit different. But the good news is it comes back in a fraction of the time. Like I've seen people come take three weeks off and then a week of training, they're right back to looking like they were. So that's just, I want people to understand you're not going to lose muscle and have to like rebuild it. Quote unquote, it comes back fast. Yeah. I also want to emphasize the part where um, Jeff, where you said that calories, you don't need to reduce, especially initially. I mean, if it is something major and um, where even like your need goes down substantially over time over the period of six months or so then yeah by all means um but otherwise especially the part with the increase in fats and maybe lowering carbs that can really be helpful but keeping keeping the overall calories where they are maybe adjusting something with supplements like adding more anti-inflammatories and that kind of stuff more omega-3s um that that generally would be a good idea um the part in terms of training i do agree with the two of you but uh just i guess it would be super interesting to know what sort of injury injury we're talking about if it is something where let's just say a sciatic nerve is like just trapped a little bit or it literally has been ongoing for you know several years and I get that person from a mindset or mental perspective because just someone who loves to be in the gym, um, it's it's so hard to completely take time off. It really is. Like, what do you do with your time? I sometimes think that like it really is difficult. Um, so I get the the desire to at least do something. Um, and I, from my experience, if you are able to do isolation work where you don't feel any pain. I think that can sometimes be a good idea. Like, I mean, let's, let's do, let's take that at that back example and then, you know, bicep curls or whatever, you're probably not going to engage your back all that much, or even for lower, um, a lower body. Uh, let's just say you might always feel that back injury with squats, but perhaps you can do leg curls or you can do, um, even like body weight, Bulgarian split squats or something like that. So of course, address the injury, give it time to rest, but depending on what it is, um, I think isolation work can sometimes shine in the case of injuries. Um, there, that's just my stand. There, there's one thing I wanted to add to, um, I didn't talk about adjusting calories and Jeff talked about, Hey, you can lower your carbs and raise your fats. Um, that will make for a really fun episode in the future. But I always think of this in a way to where I, so I'll take clients every once in a while that, and I'll reset their insulin sensitivity. And I think what people need to understand is keeping your calories the same, at least your body's going to have energy. You're still going to be able to recover. But if you're not training, you're not, you don't have as much of a need for carbohydrates, but you can still get energy from fats. They're not as good, but they don't require insulin to store them. So you can actually give your body a break from eating all the carbs. And then when you come back and you raise your carbs back up, it, you have a better insulin sensitivity and you'll process them better. Right. So even if it's just for a week or two, 
I, I like to go lower carb, a little higher fat on people's off days from training anyway. And I try and have their carbs higher on training days, not for everyone, but just in general. And sometimes I'll even have people that for three or four weeks in a row, I'll just raise their fats and lower their carbs to kind of give their body a break. So I, I like that idea on an off day by not dropping on an off week, not dropping calories at Jeff. I think that's a really, really good idea there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Absolutely. Um, so the last question for today is I'm going on vacation to Barcelona for three weeks. How should I eat? I want to enjoy the food and culture, but also not, not undo my process at progress. I'm not sure if I'll have access to a gym or not. How should we do check-ins when I'm gone or should we just pause coaching for a month? Mm. Um, yeah, Jeff, I guess you can go ahead again. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a really common type of question that I'm sure a lot of coaches get when clients go on vacation. They're like, oh, should we just pause coaching for a while? And, you know, what I tell people is like, yes, you can, or you can lean into it and learn how to actually change your approach and not have this like, quote unquote, perfect runway syndrome where you can only make progress when life doesn't throw you any curveballs. So when you're on vacation, you know, if it's a short vacation, I usually tell people enjoy it, you know, eat, you know, 90% healthy and have a dinner, like whatever you want and walk plenty and you can skip the gym, right? If it's like a short vacation. But I think if you're going away for three weeks, you're going away for a month, you can do a lot of damage in three weeks if you're not at least conscious of what you're doing. So Hopefully you can find a gym if you can't at least get a lot of cardio in to keep the steps up and, you know, burn some calories. But I would say that you can probably obtain food at a grocery store and cook and eat somewhat healthy while you're there for three weeks. And I would say check-ins can certainly continue. You can bring a body weight scale. You can bring a food scale. You have email access. There's really no issue why it couldn't continue. Awesome. Thank you. What about I agree. Time? Agree 100%, especially if someone's gone for three weeks. So, you know, a week here and there, I, I'm okay letting my clients know that have been doing this little while. Hey, just be intuitive. Like, make sure you get in, right. spread your protein across. You know, if you're eating five meals a day, just make sure you get enough protein, intuitively eat. And I give them some options. I'm like, hey, if you're going to go out to eat, you know, have a free meal, but try and make it about eating healthy and enjoying the food in the company. So like I always tell them like, Hey, get a a piece of meat, the size of your palm, at least get a serving of carbs, the size of your fist and get some steamed veggies. And it's going to taste amazing, right? It's going to taste better than your home prep food. It just is. So enjoy that. Um, because it's, 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 it's tasty, right? Um, so for people that aren't experienced enough to intuitively eat three weeks in Barcelona or three weeks anywhere, they're, <clears throat> they're going to do some damage, like Jeff said. Um, so I like those people that continue to check in unless they need just a mental break. But then I give them instructions. Hey, this is what I want you to do. And I'll send them. I'll say, hey, get some bands. Make sure you take this with you. You need to do some form of exercise or some cardio, like Jeff said. But I've got just kind of like a. it was I put it together during COVID when nobody could you know, people didn't have home gyms. Well, Hey, here's something you can do with some bands at least. And you'd be surprised what you can do to hold on to muscle. You're not going to gain muscle during those weeks, but you can still burn calories. You can still hold on to muscle. And that's what I like to have them do check-ins. If it's, well, first off they're on prep 
they're counting everything. They're packing their food. They're going over there. They're finding stuff. They're taking a food scale. If you're on prep and you've got a three-week trip planned, I should have known about that before prep started, and I've already prepared as a coach for that. So we've got leeway. If you're in prep, you've got to do what you've got to do, and that's just the way. There's no there's no gray area, in my opinion, because to get to stage, it takes sacrifice. So I don't like people to eat out during a contest prep to get on stage at all because you don't necessarily know what that's in, but I have areas for like emergencies. Hey, I got stuck. Like I work overnights and like we had to stay because an emergency happened. Like, what do I do? So I always have them have a protein bar or a shake or something ready. So that's kind of my approach. We people need to learn this lifestyle anyway, to the point to where they can do it intuitively. Um, Lisa, I see you traveling all over the place. You're eating with your team. You're doing all kinds of things intuitively. I think you do a really good job of that. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it does come down to um, practice, as you were saying. But um, I, I do think that there are several helpful tips for people that might not be in in contest prep. But um, firstly, I would adjust expectations. So expecting to lose weight during a time like this is definitely unrealistic, especially if they're saying they want to enjoy some of the local cuisine as well. Um, I think uh, the other part where it starts is find an Airbnb or at least a hotel that has a microwave in there. Like it's so helpful, at least if you don't have to eat out three times per day, because that is just, um, I mean, there, we all know that calories just add up so much more easily if you eat out. So if you can maybe even, and do some intermittent fasting or pushing out that first meal or just making it a protein shake that's a really good start to the day get some get your steps in by sightseeing etc then pre- prepping something super simple in your airbnb kitchen and then going out for a nice meal at night where perhaps you're sharing some of the local things ideally something that is you know, seafood or fish or, or chicken focused, uh, protein focused, etc. Um, but even if not, you know, an empanada here or there or sharing a pasta dish between three people or, or so, and then still having your salad and protein on the side, that works out really well. And you can maintain that really well over a period of three weeks as well. Um, I'm in the same boat that I do my clients to continue to track during that time however most of the time I just say just estimate like all this time leading up to that when you're at home use that as practice when it comes to portions um you know eyeball like think next time you put that chicken on the scales think about oh is this like six ounces or is it four and then Mm -hmm. it gets better every time and when you eat out you have better portion estimation skills or sometimes I might even say well feel free to send me a food picture and I can help double check that you're estimating correctly um and or for the time that you are at the Airbnb and B and you're not you might not have a kitchen scale you can take like measuring cups or like John was saying even just your hand your your palm is a reference so there are a lot of little things that we can work with so I also do like clients to continue to check in even if it's not like a formal check-in at least sending um like a quick voice memo or so this and that went well during the week um the thing that i'll also say is i think during that time in particular supplements um actually come in really really handy people often 
make the mistake that particularly during that time, they stopped taking supplements. And I'm like, why exactly during this time when micronutrients are probably lower, when like digestion is off because you're eating different foods and so on. That's exactly when you need them even more. <laughs> so why not, you know, take those extra, that extra pound or whatever with you on the travel it's not gonna offset your luggage that much maybe even pack some a greens powder so which i normally don't necessarily think is 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 required but during this time just doing anything to help your body deal a little bit with jet lag with um the poor food quality i think that that makes a really big difference it still helps with sleep and it helps with energies just with everything that's some some things i have found over the course of the years that's really important it's yep. you know we're a supplement company i might sit here and try and sell supplements but i get the question all the time hey how do i travel with supplements and it's one of those things i've had tub, full tubs of protein thrown away like i've had to throw them away because i took the whole tub unopened thinking that that would be safe so Whenever uh, that's happened, I said, Hey, what do I need to do next time to not have my protein thrown away or my creatine? And they always said, put them in little sandwich baggies, individual servings. So now when I travel and I fly, I have a whole bunch of sandwich baggies with two scoops of protein in each one. Right. And I'll do the same thing with creatine. I don't, you know, I'm not going to take a shit ton of stuff, but I think taking protein powder is a great way to stay on track because if you're out sightseeing, you can take that. And you can mix it in some water and you can drink it real quick. Like we're all going to stay hydrated. We're all athletes, right? So that's one thing when you fly, just break it down into the smaller versions of things and you should be able to take protein powder. No problem at all. So uh, that's a, that's a good addition. What else do we have, Lisa? Well, that was actually our four questions. Um, So we can basically just tease on what the topics for the next few episodes will be. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. People are interested in that. And um, so next next episode, we've got um, refeed and cheat meals coming up. Are they helping or hurting your progress? I'm sure people are curious to hear more when it comes to that and how to implement them, of course. the mm -hmm. Another topic that's coming up is um, the best muscle building hacks you may not be utilizing yet. <laughs> um, and then the third one that I'm going to tease on is how to manage hunger, meal prep tips, and our personal um, food food staples. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about all of those actually. And and in between these, what people need to know is we've, we're going to have smaller episodes in between these. Uh, and it's just going to be question of the week, which we're actually going to record as soon as this one's over. So you guys are going to have these deep dives, so to speak. And then in between those, you'll have a question of the week. And I, I we all love Q&A. Like Q&A is just fun. Uh, people can all put themselves in the shoes of the person asking the question. And we've got some really good Q and A's lined up question of the weeks lined up and we're going to do, you know, a lot of different topics. So we've got guests coming on before we uh, hit stop on this. I do want to ask people, here's the thing. We need reviews on this. We're just getting up. We're just getting started. It takes you one second to hit pause, go leave us a review. We really appreciate that. We are going to give away a huge $500 fat muscle gift card to our site. So those are going to be picked from the reviews. We're going to do that here in the next, I don't know yet. We're going to look, um, we need to give it a few, a few weeks of recording. So get those reviews in right now. Um, and then we'll announce the winner on the show and that'll be cool. 
And then later on, we'll probably do another one where we give someone a free ticket to the Fat Muscle Academy. So that'll be a fun event that you can come to free of charge, meet everybody, train, and be around a bunch of people that are super geeked out with physique enhancement. So if you guys don't have anything else, there's one last thing I'd like to do. Um, Lisa, are you drinking anything over there? I'm not actually. <laughs> oh, no, you know what? Smart, because you're about to go to bed, because you have to get up and pee. <laughs> Jeff, why don't you go ahead and hold up your your fancy dancing so, for the people on YouTube? <laughs> I, I finished it. It was a blender full of uh, shake. So yeah, there's a couple drops left. It's like this giant blender with like a pink pink drink in it. I've got my little yeah. shaker cup here. So we do have new fat muscle shakers that we just dropped. So I'm. It's funny. Uh, Lisa's not drinking anything. You're drinking out of a shaker like a complete bro. Um, which is awesome because, hey, maybe you blend up your food so you can just drink your food. I don't know if you ever had to do that, but we'll save that for another episode and talk about that at some point. For myself, Lisa, and Jeff, on this first episode, we will be back. See you guys later. See ya.